This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer, a free-for-all Friday. Step up, say your piece, and we promise not to interrupt. Just be lively about it. We have a lot of listeners hanging on your every word. Here is Libby Snymer. Welcome back to this Free For All Friday. Boy, what a week it has been. We've been talking a lot about health care. We've been talking about the situation at the airport. There are a couple of other things that uh, I haven't heard people calling in about yet today. We've got a poll that says that most people are really upset about the fact that Hockey Canada used uh, registration money, money from parents to pay off sexual assault uh, claims. $7.8 million. People are really annoyed. And there was a similar, uh, but much uh, less uh, in terms of the money situation in Brampton, $60,000 of taxpayers' money used to settle a sexual harassment claim. Uh, you know, um, and none of these things disclosed, even though it is other people's money used for this. Okay. Let us get right to the phones. We've got Dennis in Brampton. Hi, Libby. Thank you for taking my call. Um, underscoring this nursing shortage is um, an issue that's been around as long as I can remember, and that has to do with health care planning and for personnel. And uh, to that end, I started my career in 1969 in healthcare. Uh, my very first job was recruiting nurses overseas because we had a, a, a major shortage of, uh, of nurses. And uh, another thing that we did to attract the nurses was we actually had subsidized on-site daycare. Yeah. Uh, for whatever reason, we just aren't able to look into the future and make accurate predictions about what the needs of healthcare professionals are going to be. And nursing shortages, there have been peaks and valleys in that regard as long as I can remember. The same is true for uh, physicians as well. Well, yeah, except the the one thing I disagree with there is that we can't predict we've got an aging population uh, that has implications for health care. Right. Absolutely. And, and, and when I, yeah, when I say we can't predict, we can and we should, but for whatever reason, we don't. We don't because uh, people are short-sighted and then the bureaucrats complain that they get money, but it's not, it's not long-term funding. It's, you know, short-term money and they can't plan. I mean, it's all, uh, but that's interesting that back in 1969, uh, you were recruiting nurses. Uh, I bet in 1969, the immigration backlog wasn't what it is today. No question. Yeah. Okay, Dennis. We were able to, uh, we were able to get them. Uh, I would process paperwork. They'd submit documents to the college. 
uh, based on the documents that they submitted, we could make a job offer and uh, we could immediately get them into the country. And where were they coming from? Uh, Philippines uh, and uh, India. And you know what? Uh, those are the same places of very large immigration today. And any, yep. uh, anybody who goes to the hospital, like there, there are a lot of nurses and other healthcare workers from those places. But, you know, if they're stuck getting certified or stuck getting permanent residency, then, uh, you know, uh, what can I say? It's just ridiculous. And they were excellent professionals, Libby. I, I must say I was always very impressed with, um, with, with their commitment and uh, dedication to care for patients. Yep. Yep. Well, most, per- most nurses go into the profession because, because they want to care for patients. Dennis, thanks for that. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Okay. Where are we going here? Henry in St. Catharines. Hi, Henry. Hi, Olivia. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, enjoy your program. Thank you. I, I just wanted to chime in on the healthcare issue, you know. I, uh, I'm of the opinion that the, the government has dropped the ball here, not being proactive enough and not being attentive enough to this portfolio. And, uh, you know, uh, that's the big problem. You know, we're talking big budgets here, you know, and this is something you got to plan for ahead. I know they've been kind of saddled with this COVID and all that, and it can make them kind of myopic or, you know, tunnel vision is another way to put it. But uh, so they they dropped the ball. they got to come across. I heard the premier on the news last night, you know, about, well, you know, excuse city, you know. No, no, no. He's got he's The buck stops with him and with his um, minister of health, you know. They failed miserably is what I'm saying, you know. Well, you know what? I I agree the buck stops there, and I'm finding it increasingly annoying when the people who are supposed to be on this get up and make excuses. Now, I understand that there are problems that can be very difficult and intractable, and yep. you can talk about those, but... Again, it was like hear, hearing uh, the CEO of the GTAA give me a litany of excuses about why Pearson was the worst. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, that's what you get the $1.6 million a year for. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not hung up on the, uh, their, their salaries, to be honest with you. But I think, you know, one other thing I picked up on in your conversations, uh, like this hour, is um, we've got to be uh, more specific in terms of accountability. So, you know, because a lot of people say, oh, it's the government or it's, um, you know, the nurses or, or it's money. No, be accountable. You know, this is uh, the uh, the Minister of Health and look at their policies. You know, did they plan for things? What are their priorities? You know, single them out. The Premier, what's he doing? You know, like, is he asleep at the switch? If you listen to the nurses, they're telling us we're in crisis. They're not stupid people. They know what they're talking about. But the Premier doesn't think, simply think there is a problem, you know. So, Somebody's got to tell the emperor here you're not wearing any clothes, you know, somebody. You know what? I I think the lack of accountability is even worse at the federal level. There is zero accountability for mess-ups there. And, yep. I mean, the foreign minister, Melanie Jolie, 
the things that she says that she was not aware of, I mean, should she not have been aware? She was not aware that the embassy staff in Ukraine was left in danger. She had no idea. And remember that thing about a senior official going to a Russia Day party that caused the sea? She didn't know about that either. I mean, come on. Come on. Yeah, these things do happen. And I'm not calling, you know, from a party point of view here. I'm just, this is just like impartial. I'm being impartial here. To be fair to the feds, they did uh, present money during COVID to the province, and the province sat on it. You know, now I can appreciate the province has more than just health to worry about. That, it's a big job, including for the premier. I, I don't envy him at all, at all, at all. And, you know, he's done some things incredibly well. But, you know, they've got to address health. We have a gem here with our health system. We can't just let it, uh, you know, squander it by default or, or, you know, benign neglect, you know? Yep. Henry, thanks for your call. You're welcome. My pleasure. Thank you. Okay. Michael in Bolton has a good story from the airport. Hi, Michael. Yeah, hi. Um, Yeah, I just uh, came in from Ecuador um, two days ago, and I didn't find any lineups at uh, the customs or the uh, luggage pickup uh, at anywhere. So I, I don't know what people are talking about. I guess that's the information you're getting. Well, yeah, it's not just in information. Uh, people are different. People have had different experiences. I guess you got lucky. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I appreciate the taking my call. Okay, thanks for that. Okay, okay right now. Okay, yeah. Some people had good experiences. I'm very glad to hear that. Uh, that's an international flight. He got his bags. Good for him. Okay. Let's go to Richard. Yes, hi. Wait a minute. Yeah. You've got to turn down your radio, Richard. Is that done? I'm from Roscoe, South York, Ontario. Okay. And actually, I haven't talked to you since the blockade, which is, um, you know, a lot's happened since then. Uh Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, I found it really refreshing listening to Liz West the other day. Uh Uh-huh. And um, I was a science teacher and a sworn police officer also of the state of Illinois. But um, in the meantime, you have all this going on. You have uh, nurses that need pay raise, need... um, People at the airports need to pay raise, and nobody is doing that, which is, you, you, you talk about money that people have in abundance. You know, why can't, uh, you know, share some with little people? But anyway, I was going to say about Liz West, um, teaching science, you know, um, I was having talks, discussions with my oldest son, and um, he said, yeah, moving off to another planet or to Mars, you're going to have to live underground to get rid of all the radiation. And then Liz was talking about how they have to produce gravity. Gravity um, is important for bone development, for strength, and for having sex and procreating. Okay, thanks for that. Uh, A little bit of a science lesson and a shout out to Liz West. Liz, doing a great job. Thank you. Okay, uh, let us go to Marion in Brantford. Hi, Marion. Hi, thank you for taking my call. I wanted to comment about the nurses and the Bill 124. Mm -hmm. Uh, I am not a nurse, but I have a daughter who has been one for many years, 
And I know it took her seven years of education to get the job that she has. Um, and uh, so that is one thing. But it's not so much the money. It, it, it's like a slap in the face to the nurses. I see it, and it just reminds me of a previous premier who was always quoted as saying that nurses were as obsolete as hula hoops. What? Who said that? Years ago, but it, uh, obviously he was wrong because we still need our nurses. I, I, I've never heard of such a thing. Who said that? Oh, it was a previous conservative premier. Who? Mike Harris. Uh, I, I, you know what? I was around in the Mike Harris ages. You know, the, I find it hard to believe he said that. So we'll have to check that. That was, that was always, it was often quoted and kind of joked about. Um, I didn't hear him say it, but that was the, Okay, that, before, be, before we go on about that, we've got to look that up. But go okay. ahead. You're... Well, at that time, the nurses were leaving in droves, and there were American hospitals up trying to hire right. our nurses. Right. Yeah. So it, it, just, it just seems to show a, a great lack of respect for, for people who work hard and are obviously devoted to that profession that we need so badly. Okay, Marion, thanks for that. Thank you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Okay, we are uh, heading towards the finish line here. I'm going to take a call from Diane in Scarborough. Hi, Diane. Hi, Libby. Thanks for taking my call. Um, There was a lady who'd called in on Monday about the increase in Enbridge gas. Mm, Okay, I wasn't here on Monday, but please go ahead. Thank you. I like Um, follow-ups. I I also had uh, a severe increase, believe me. And I made a couple of calls to their customer care office, and uh, to me, I got the runaround. Oh, it's just your usage. It's just your usage. Well... Um, I started looking at my bills, and I finally summarized a note that I sent, and I sent it to the ombudsman because down at the bottom of their web page it says ombudsman. So, do you mind if I just read this quickly? Okay, very quickly. Okay, this notification of increase is more than fifty percent. The usage twenty twenty one compared to twenty two over an eight month period was. 43 cubic meters. Now, that's not much. This increase was approved by the Ontario Energy Board, I think up to 23%, plus the federal carbon gas tax, plus Enbridge increase. Equal billing $77 to $118 is an outrageous increase, basically the same usage year over year. I understand being charged for usage, but there was basically no increase in usage over the eighth-month period. The other months were summer. And did you get any satisfaction from the ombudsman? You know the response I got? Um, In order to contact the ombudsman, you'll have to fill out forms. Oh, geez. And that was it. And I like if they had said, okay, your usage in April was high, and because the increase came in in April, that's why your equal billing is higher. But they don't explain that, and no wonder you get upset customers thinking, oh my goodness, my bill's up 50%. 
And it might be up 50% in one month. Yeah. I mean, the, a lot of those things are, they're just a deterrent filling out forms. Oh yeah. They wanted me to back off. (laughs) I think, but that that increase, uh, the energy board approved really. And then the customers paying for stuff that they used, you know, two or three months. Okay. And yet it shows on your current bill. Okay, Diane, I've got to let you go because we're out of time. Uh, Thank you for that. Uh, It's always good to fight back. Uh, And that's what we call the show. That's it for Fight Back for today and for this week. And I'll be back here on Monday and we will talk then. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight back with Libby Snymer. A free for all Friday. You're asking to hear something I don't want to say. But if I do say it, I think you ought to hear it. You got anything on your chest besides your chin, you better get it off. All right, then you asked for it. Yes, we did. So lay it on us. Free for all Friday means you set the tone. Here is Libby Snymer. Good afternoon and welcome to this Free For All Friday. Of course, it's the day that we talk about what you want to talk about, but there's something I want to talk about. Now, before that, let me give the numbers. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And I got to tell you, I have to vent. So you heard the story on the GTAA CEO's press conference. That's Greater Toronto Airport Authority. And uh, she's saying that things have improved a bit in the last week. Now, I don't know how many of you listened to her actual live news conference, but it was what I call an excuse fest. It was a litany of excuses as to why Pearson Airport has become or became the worst for delays in the entire world, the worst big airport in the world for delays and why According to her, they couldn't really prepare for it in advance. Uh, all these reasons, excuses, excuses, excuses. And this seems to be a pattern from a lot of very well-paid officials, public officials. When the crisis is totally at its height, they hide. You don't hear from them until there's a huge outcry. And uh, Sylvia Jones, health minister, I'm talking to you. And then when you see them, there is a litany of excuses. Now, it wasn't easy for me to dig up the compensation that Ms. Deborah Flint gets. She's the CEO of the GTAA. I found it uh, for 2020 when she was probably working at home and the airports weren't exactly busy. She made $1,611,000 in total compensation in 2020. And what we have is the airport with the worst record for delays in the Western world and a bunch of excuses why that is. And yes, maybe things have improved just a little bit in the last 
week. So I'd like to know, what do you think of that? What do you think of that when you hear about a salary like that? $1,611,000. The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll free one 866-740-4740. And then there's the big healthcare story. I mean, we are at a crisis point. Everyone seems to agree with that, except maybe the health minister, Sylvia Jones. We did have a little more measured approach from the CEO of UHN, Kevin Smith. When we talked to him, he said, there are big challenges going on. And when you talk to the people involved, one of the main things they talk about is Bill 124, which is the salary cap. Now, I don't believe that repealing big Bill 24 and even raising compensation is going to solve this problem. We just heard of a three, a five point plan, excuse me, to alleviate the situation. However, it might remove it as an irritant. And come on, people, we are in a situation where we have a huge shortage of healthcare workers. We've got inflation running more than 8%. So there's no way, there is no way that we're going to be able to settle with nurses and other healthcare workers for 1%. So why not get that off the table? I mean, Premier Ford says, you know, when it expires, he'll negotiate in good faith. And I am sure that he will. But really, like, why not just get that off the table? And you know what? I would think, you know, it's something else that they can stop whining about. Really? Really? Because, again, there's huge inflation. And I do not blame nurses especially for being really annoyed when they look at the kind of incentives that doctors got to work same kinds of shifts during the pandemic compared to what they are getting. It's just another thing. Not going to solve it all, but it'll help. That's my opinion. Anyway, now it is time for your opinions. I'm going to get right to the phones. And we begin with Jerry and Markham. Hi, Jerry. Hi, Libby. Um, one quick, uh, two quick things. One, it was Air Canada. Three years ago, I flew to Greece. And they managed to lose my luggage. And when I, the week that, when I was coming home, they, fi- they finally arrived seven days later. My son just went to a couple of days ago with the baby to uh, to Greece with Air Canada, and they lost all the baby stuff. I mean, their baggage record is absolutely the bottom of the ver- bottom of the barrel. Two trips to the same country, same airline, same problem, losing luggage. Well, I, I, it's unreal. Yep, yep. But uh, I think that the airport is uh, partly to blame for that. I'm, you know, I'm not clear about the breakdown in terms of baggage. Do they just work for the airline? Do they work for the airport as well? And uh, one of the things, uh, Deborah Flint, the CEO, the $1.6 million woman was crowing about was that on domestic flights, uh, 
uh, the wait time for baggage has reduced to 25 minutes. I, I guess there should have been a little asterisk there. If they don't lose your luggage and you're flying the domestically, you, you'll get it in half an hour. If you get it in a week. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. It's just, right. what do you think of the $1.6 million woman there? Nothing to crow about. Nothing to crow about. Okay. Thanks very much. I have one, for- quick, uh, I have one quick other thing for you, Libby. Sure. You there? Yep. Um, with the nurses, the training that they get, is that not an international standard? I mean, a woman or a man's body in North America, Europe, Africa, South America, a body's a body, a cut's a cut. They all train to, to look after that. Is there not an international standard that they train on that there shouldn't be this complication for the nurses coming from England or or wherever that they shouldn't be able to get their license in North America? Well, I I I don't know that there is, and there are different standards of healthcare in different countries for sure, and you know there's another level of complication which is really, really mind-boggling because there are cases of foreign-trained nurses, whether they're practical or registered nurses, who have been certified. But the backlog in immigration is so bad that they don't have permanent residence status, and so they cannot work. I mean, it... The government seems to be completely unable to deliver basic services. Jerry, thanks for your call. I'm going to give you the numbers out again, and please, people, be patient. I will get to your calls. The numbers, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Let's go to Rachel in Brampton. Hi, Rachel. Hi, Libby. Thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. Yeah, I am really worried about this health health care crisis. To be honest, I mean, I I do have underlying conditions, and um, it's not only me, but for everybody. I mean, the, I don't know if I want to blame the, the federal government in this. It's the provincial government. I mean, they really have to work with the nurses. This should be a crisis, and try to sort out something, right? I mean, with all what they went through two years, and obviously there's some failure somewhere. Right. There, I think there are lots of failures in a lot of places. Uh, the federal NDP is calling on Trudeau to do more, but basically, uh, what the provinces, it's a provincial jurisdiction and the provinces just want more money. And right. I'm sure they need more money, but m- more money, just more money isn't going to solve things I don't alone. Think it's, it's a money issue. It's a, it's, it's really, um, being uh, taken care of, like, I mean, their self-esteem, I mean, uh, being appreciated, overworked, so many things, right? Yep. It's, it's not a one thing, it's an overall, uh, like, I mean, it's scary. This should be a top priority for the government, I mean. <laughs> yeah, you would, you would think, have you had trouble accessing health care that you need? Yes. I mean, I'm having major difficulty. My own doctor, I mean, my own doctor, I can't bloody see him. You know, it's like once a week that he works, right? I don't know what it is. It has to do with, it's like, basically. You mean once a week he works in person or once a week he works? Once a week. week. Is he retiring? No, young man. (laughs) Okay. Right. Maybe he's working at the hospital somewhere else, right? That's what I'm thinking. 
you know, but it's so difficult to get appointments. <laughs> okay, yes, that's that's a huge issue. Uh, right, if you're right. sick, you want to get an appointment. It's not very easy to get an four appointment. Minutes. Like, even the phone call, I have to wait four hours before he actually calls me back, right? Four I hours mean, isn't bad, actually. <laughs> four hours isn't bad. Uh, Rachel, have a nice weekend. Yeah. Thanks for your call. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Have a nice weekend. Bye-bye. Okay, let's go to Tracy in Toronto. And Tracy, you are a nurse practitioner. Yes, I am. Go ahead. I just want to make a comment about um, I want, I really want Doug Ford to um, stop advertising that he has given nurses a $5,000 bonus. I just want him to be clear uh, with the public and say that he gave a bonus and it's $1,200 in two payments because um, of the income tax that's removed. So it's really unfair for the public to think that we have Although it's a nice gesture, it is not a $5,000 bonus. It's not in our pocket. It was $1,200. Yeah, well, um, all I can say is it, whatever salary increase you ultimately get will be taxed, obviously. Yeah. Um, and hopefully you get some of that back that they've taken a little too much out. It sounds like really a lot. Yeah. Uh, so what, what are you finding? How are your working conditions, Tracy? Extremely stressful. We've oh. been we've been short staffed for uh, months and months and months, um, going on years. This was predictable. I'm not a new NP, um, and we saw we all saw this coming, but nobody listens. Uh, can I ask where you work? I, I worked at a downtown hospital. And we need more nurse practitioners. That'll take Absolutely. pressure off the system. Uh, and uh, are people that you work with, are they retiring, leaving the profession? Yes, yes. And and what reasons are they giving? Um, many are the hours. Um, because, let me be clear, the patients are receiving uh, good care at the expense of the hours that we are all putting in because we're dedicated how many hours do you work or is it just, is it that it's, it's very uh, bad hours? Um, probably uh, 14 to 18 hours a day. Wow. That's, uh, that's grating. That's really hard. And do you have uh, uh, generally bad shifts or good shifts? Uh, I don't work shift work. So, um, uh, but my hours are really extended in order to do the work that I need to do. That sounds uh, very, very difficult. Um, and I hope you get some appreciation from your patients. Absolutely, I do. Well, at least that is some good news. And uh, I think everybody out here really appreciates the work that you do. Thank you. And I hope that you get somewhere with your negotiations. <laughs> Thank you so much. Okay, Tracy, have a good weekend. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, we're heading into our first break. Let me give the numbers out again, 416-360-0740. Toll-free, 
40. And uh, we've been talking about health care. We've been talking about, I've been talking about the Greater Toronto Airports Authority, their $1.6 million CEO, giving us all the reasons why Pearson became the worst for delays, the worst anywhere. Uh, what do you think of that? We'll be back after the break. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Zneimer. When one considers the meaning of life, it is a struggle between alternative viewpoints of life itself. A free-for-all Friday. And without the ability to defend one's own viewpoint against other, perhaps more aggressive ideologies, then reasonableness and moderation could quite simply disappear. Name your topic and be as deep as you like, as long as there's a point in there somewhere. Here is Libby Zneimer. Welcome back to this Free For All Friday, and I'm going to start with a little plug for a story that I have on Zoomer Week in Review at noon on Sunday. And uh, if you were listening in the break, you heard an ad for The Tunnel, which is a new attraction at Niagara Falls. I was there and I got a special tour, and you can tune in to hear that because I got to tell you people... It was fabulous, and uh, I think that you'll enjoy both the piece and if you go there yourself, because it's really worthwhile, really something special in our own backyard. But let's get to some of the pressing issues. We've been talking about healthcare. We've been talking about the goings-on at the airport and the excuses why Pearson was the worst, the worst in the Western world. Uh, and this from the CEO who made in 1920 $1,611,000, probably working from home. But let's get right to the phones. Let's go to Peter in Toronto. Hi, Peter. Hi, Libby. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? Oh, I'm so glad that I'm able to get through to you. I'm just about to explode. The problem I'm facing here is I wonder if you or the uh, other listeners by the radio have encountered that. As a long-time resident in Toronto, I'm so shocked to realize our society has changed in such a way that nowadays on a regular business day, during regular business hours, when you call a place of business... They never answer the phone. Yeah. They always order us, leave your name and your phone number. We will call you back between, guess what, 8 a.m. and 7 p.m. as if I'm waiting for a delivery. Uh, yeah. And this is a big company that you're calling? Or? It's about everywhere now, yeah. Libby. It, it, it's not just happening at one particular location. It's widespread. I just like to ask people, when did our society become like that? I'm from the old society. I'm a senior citizen. And um, I remember we always able to reach them. Yeah, uh, I remember too. I remember too. And, and a lot of things, uh, a lot of companies don't want you to call. I mean, even as a member of the media, it used to be that when you needed or wanted some information right. about a company, there would be the name of a person right. and a phone number. Now, now they turn the, it around. It's it's an email address. It's info at whatever, and it's like sending it into a deep black hole. Well, like I said, I'm a senior citizen, so I don't like email. I prefer uh, voicemail. But the point is, now they turn it around. They expect us to obey 
give us your phone number, which we can reach you, and we expect you to pick up the phone the minute we call you. Isn't that absurd? Illogical? Oh, I, I, I hear you, Peter. I hear you, Peter. Things are changing, and not all of them are changing for the better. Okay, Peter, but it's beautiful outside. We're heading into the weekend. So, yeah, I hope you had a chance to vent, and I do not blame you for that. The numbers to call people, 416-360-0740, toll-free 866 40 and let's go to Joan in Niagara. Hi, Joan. Hi there. How are you today? Fine. How are you? Well, I agree with that uh, last caller. I'm a senior, and I don't know where this society is going. But tell me, why are we leaving all of this health care education to the politicians? They know squat about health. Yeah, why aren't why haven't we got the experts in health doing this, running well, this? Well, apparently they are. Politicians don't don't run the education; they make the allocation, but uh, they don't. Uh, yeah, it's, but they're the ones that uh, cut the finances and uh, run the. Uh, I mean, there's no authority left in the schools. The teachers haven't any authority left. These nurses, I mean, they're burnt out. They are burnt out. And Ford is balking at getting this going. And what about the uh, air conditionings in the the senior homes? I mean, what, what does it take to get through to these politicians? They can't blow our tax dollars on frivolous. They have to go after the, the problems. Uh, yeah, I agree with you, Joan. Thanks. They should be going after the problems. Again, the numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll free 1-866-744-740. And I'd like to hear from another nurse, Jean in Palmerston. Hi, Jean. Hello. How are you? Fine. How are you? I'm good. Thanks. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I, I have called in frequently on this same issue, and I believe I sent you a copy of a newspaper article that we did 20 years ago telling the government exactly this. We had a, a candidate meeting where we invited the nurses in the room. There were 75 of them. There was 150 people at the meeting. We gave them all a candle. We asked the retirees to leave, the five-year people, the 10-year from retirement. There were two nurses left at the front of the room. Okay. And we spoke to the government many times. So now we're in this situation. Add COVID to it. And you've got nurses like me. I'm, I'm past 65. I'm a cancer survivor and I'm still working and I'm working double full time hours, basically. I work in a small emergency department that was reached recently impacted by the closure of the Orangeville emergency department because they decided we were the closest one, although we're more than a half an hour away. We have three nurses working in the emerge. The waiting room was full. It was so full that people were waiting in their cars for us to call them in when there was room. Some of them had been there for over eight hours and hadn't been seen by a doctor yet. We had Orange circling, waiting for some of the ambulances to come from Orangeville to pick up a patient that needed to be transferred further, but they hadn't arrived at our department yet. We had four ambulances arrive simultaneously. One nurse is tied up in triage, which never stopped all night. That leaves two nurses in the back taking care of all of that, plus the 23 patients that are in our 17-bed unit because there was no room for admissions. 
there have been weekends where there's no RN for the medical floor. They're trying to order staff in, order in the OR people who are on call. So they've closed the OR and able to access those staff. That hospital is part of a three-hospital amalgamation. All of their obstetrical, two of their obstetrical departments are closed for the entire summer, which leaves the one as an access that they frequently had to close because they don't have any staff. Wow. Uh, I want to get to you. uh, You're working. You're past 65. Now, personally, just as a general thing, I don't think retirement at 65 is necessarily a good idea. Uh, The people that I know that are in that age range are healthy and and vibrant and they want to do it. So I say good for you working double shifts. Are are you doing it because you love your work and you know I do love uh, my work. And I feel uh, a great, and I'm at a point in my life where I, I can't, and I'm thrilled. I was told I'd never return to work after I had cancer. And then I fell and broke my leg in two places. And oh my every goodness. specialist I saw said, you're never going back to work. Oh, wow. Really? Uh, yeah. I'd say good for you. I'm also a cancer survivor. And, yes, I know you are. And uh, um, uh, I am happy to be working. <laughs> so it is our senior nurses that are the ones that are picking up. The youngsters have a different mindset, right? They, If they've made plans, they keep their plans. We, my family can tell you, my father was a doctor. It's always been the same. Our plans frequently got changed. If the hospital needed us or patients needed us, then we changed our plans. That's not so much the case now. Um, and it's the older nurses that are holding this together. And as far as the retention bonus goes, I don't think mine shrunk to quite 12, but it hasn't all been paid yet. The second payment hasn't come out and you must be employed as of September 1st, in order to get it. But no guarantee you're going to get it by September 1st. The first payment was supposed to come out in May, and nobody got it until June at, at best. So well, well, a lot a of the civil process. Yeah, a lot of the civil servants who cut the checks, they're uh, working from home. Right. <laughs> well, right, probably. And, you know, and I think when the teachers, I hear they're asking for a large increase, and I, I don't quibble about what nurses make, or didn't used to, but now with the prices, when a and when a new grad graduates, she's got four years of university. She has a $60,000, $70,000 student loan. She needs to find accommodations near the hospital, which is going to cost it. They simply can't afford it. Like I know ones now, they're living with their parents. They're registered nurses, but they can't afford to buy a home of their own, as a, even as a couple. Yeah. Because of the, stu- the huge student loans. Now, physicians, to attract physicians, they'll pay their student loans off, and they'll provide a house. That's where we're at now to get physicians in our rural area. They're telling us we will probably have to offer them living accommodations. We already have free office space for them and possibly a car in order to attract them. Well, you know, I don't blame nurses for feeling hard done by when they look at how much better doctors are treated. And again, with 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 the the uh, bill 124. Yeah, I. You know, I sort of get the premier doesn't want to, you know, put all his cards on the table now. But really, there's no way that 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 you're going to be able to do this for one percent. So no, just take it take it off the table and look like you're listening, and you know, get over that because doing that yeah, it's, it's not going to solve anything. It sends a really big message because we're a female dominated profession. Yep. The male-dominated professions, firemen and policemen, they weren't held to that. Exactly. So it sends a really bad message to the women who are the backbone of our healthcare system. There are lots, but it's, it's mostly a female-dominated profession, and we're leaving our children to come to work. And then you have to get into the issues of childcare, because that's the other issue. Certain nurses can only work certain hours because they, they can't find childcare, so they have to wait till their husband is off. 
Well, yeah, and I, I heard uh, that some places are starting to think about offering daycare. Chi- daycare mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, the larger hospitals, they certainly yeah. are. It is. I've been a nurse for forty-five years. I've been an advocate for nursing my whole life. I've been involved in healthcare and giving back to the community. I also sit on our local municipal council. Um, and I've never seen a situation like this. I've never been in a position, and I could show you text messages for the last two days. Can you work days, days, nights, nights, any part or on call? So they don't have a nurse in the building. They want to know if you'll be on call, and when they call you, you'll come in if they need you. Otherwise, they're going to skimp by without. Wow. So who's never there? Never seen anything like it before. Well, I'm not too sure because I haven't been there. It's usually two nurses then. I came in one morning. They'd had two nurses overnight and no RN upstairs that they could find. Two, two nurses. Two registered two nurses, nurses in Emerge, yeah. one of whom will be in triage all night yep. because it never stops because, as the previous caller said, you can't get into your offices. The walk-in clinics, we only have one in our whole area that covers quite a uh, distance uh, kilometer-wise, and it only takes certain bookings, and then it's done. And if it runs into any testing issues or serious concerns, they send them to Emerge because they don't have the capacity to do the blood work and stuff. You know, Jean, thank you so much for calling, and uh, wow. And, uh, and just one last comment. Yep. Talk about the feds, and the feds, it's interesting, because healthcare never comes up in the federal elections, but there is a transfer payment from the feds to the province. Yeah. And it used to be set, and 10 years ago, that agreement um, became outdated. It has never been renewed, and um, Prime Minister Trudeau negotiated separately with each province, and gave them a guaranteed 3% increase rather than the usual 6% increase, and based on their uh, mental health activities, which absolutely is a huge need. But now we're talking basic care. If people can't get basic care, and they can't afford food, and they can't afford rent, um, mental health just uh, grows exponentially, because just everybody's depressed because they can't make ends meet. So the feds have to take a handle in this. They have to take some responsibility for this. They can't just say this is a provincial matter. It's not. It's your nation of people that are suffering. Okay. Jean, I hope you have a nice weekend. Thanks for that. And, uh, you know, um, I'm heading off to work shortly to pick up an extra shift. So, okay. (laughs) I hope, I hope the shift goes well. And, uh, (laughs) I think everybody thanks you for all your hard work. Appreciate it. Well, and we know the public appreciates us for the most part, but they are getting angry at the system and we're the front people they see. Yeah. So we bear the brunt of that too. Okay. Yeah. Gene, thanks anyway, a thank lot. Thank you very much for listening. Okay, bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. Well, that was a really eye-opening call. Um, other healthcare workers, if you're out there, uh, feel free to give us a shout. I mean, that was really, that just kind of laid it all out. Um, and, you know, uh, we really owe a lot to people like Gene, who are working double shifts uh, and even on a beautiful weekend like this. So, uh, yeah, what can I say? Let us continue along here. We've got Festus in Brampton. Hi, Festus. Hi, Lizzie. How are you? Fine. How are you? Not bad. Yeah, um, my concern is with all the, the ups and downs we are talking about and what is taking place is my main concern within all that is Libby very carefully what I think we're not doing is looking at our democracy. It's been challenged. It's been challenging in all different angles. We're not looking at that. But Libby, from my perspective, I could tell you, 
we got to look beyond all the other challenges that it fe- we are facing right now. And this is the very, very, very dangerous one that is creeping in within all the obstacles that are taking place in, in our situation right now. And I hope the politicians and people that is concerned look at that situation. Because I'm telling you, it's creeping up in, into different, different small situations that we, we're talking about right now. Okay. You've got to be careful. Okay, Festus, thanks for that. Uh, I agree that democracy is under threat, but uh, one good thing I have to say about where we're at, I think it is uh, that that hasn't become a factor here. It could. It absolutely could. It's like a contagion. But I think uh, on that front, we're doing a lot better than a lot of other places. Okay, we continue on the phones. Sita in Mississauga. Hi, Sita. Hi, Libby. Very interesting week. <laughs> You're doing a great job. Thanks. Thank you. Go um, ahead. Yeah. Fast track papers for healthcare workers, the international workers. They've been talking about this for so many months ago. Why have they done it already? This will help replace the shortage of workers who has retired or quit. And what they need is security and job, full-time, extra sick days, um, pay, keep increasing that pay will not solve the problem. Yes, they're working hard, and yes, they they are getting paid for it. I mean, other people who are, uh, have lower income have to make do with what they have to pay for daycare or shift work. Or they have to rotate and stuff like that. So we appreciate the hard work they're doing, but it's a hard time we're going through, and not everybody. If everybody starts screaming and wanting pay, 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 we're not going anywhere. Uh, well, uh, everybody is screaming that they want more pay, and people are getting more pay because there's a labor shortage. Though the the last numbers show a bit of a slowdown or in in the number of job losses. Uh, I don't. I haven't looked at them that closely to see if there's a mismatch between uh, the jobs we have and the jobs we need. But, um, yeah, um, this thing has been going on for ages in terms of accreditation of uh, foreign-trained nurses and doctors. And just this week, the health minister gave a directive to the college. Now, there's another, there, there's another body that sometimes you got to wonder what they're doing. Exactly. Uh, gave a directive and gave them a short period of time to come up with a plan for doing it faster. And like I said, the other part of the problem is this huge backlog in immigration, which also was going on way before Mm -hmm. the pandemic. And the government seems to put sort of uh, rookies in that uh, in that portfolio, and it's it's just a massive screw up. Yep, and come back to bite them now. Well, yeah. Uh, so it, it's once again, I you know, I just have this feeling that uh, the government cannot get basic things done, and it's it, it's not a political, you know, it's not a partisan complaint. That's right. They need to push forward. And they, if they're passing a bill or whatever they're passing or what they're going to make changes, do it as fast as possible. And we wouldn't be in this mess with the airport, passport, this and that. Okay. Sita, thanks for your call. Thank you. Okay. 
We've got to take another break and the numbers to call before we go to break 416-360-0740, toll free 1-866-740-4740 and we will be right back. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.